Good morning, everyone. My name is Craig, yeah, and it's just a joy to serve here at Riverside on staff, and it's fantastic to see you all. And those of you joining online, those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. Uh, just uh, with saying goodbye to Tristan and Shanae, Steve didn't quite do justice to Tristan's involvement in, in the life of Riverside. I want to just tell you a quick story. So when I started here at Riverside, uh, one of the jobs and challenges that I had was I had to get stuck into the youth ministry uh, for a short time period and find someone who could take over and run the youth ministry. And so the person that we rested on was Tristan. But Tristan, in that deal where I said to Tristan, I'm handing over uh, the running of Velocity to you, you have to find the person that you're going to invest in for when you transition out of youth ministry, because you're not going to be here potentially forever, hopefully, but probably not. And so he took some time and he came to me and he said, Craig, there's, there's someone who I think is the person who I'd like to like head in, in that direction, but he's young. Um, so I just want to run this off you. Uh, his name is Seasway. So during that season, Tristan took over the running of the youth ministry, started investing in Seasway, ran Velocity during hard lockdown, and transitioned and handed over to Seasway, who is our current. Uh, he's, he's studying in full-time ministry. He's running our youth ministry. And then Tristan's going to be speaking at VAC as one of our key speakers, which starts on Wednesday night. So when you're saying goodbye to someone who's had a massive impact on your kids and our next gen, and so when you catch him at coffee, just uh, uh, give him some love uh, because he really has served our youth ministry in, in an incredible way through very difficult seasons. So Trist, we bless you and thank you so much for that. And also just really grateful for all the stuff that's out there in, in, in Christmas cheer. We just uh, are overwhelmed with the love that you guys are giving. But please don't stop. If you haven't brought yet, all of it is going to be put to use in feeding people. So, yes, we've uh, alluded to carols and Christmas. You can see that uh, we are well into the swing of Christmas here at Riverside and starting with our uh, Christmas season uh, series last week. But um, I must admit to you guys, I'm not the hugest fan of the Christmas season. Um, I think the Lord has blessed me with a daughter who is Christmas mad and is starting to uh, kind of soften my heart towards the season. But I don't know if you experienced, like when, a, what, when it came on to the 1st of December, I just felt like people started to drive worse. <laughs> people just seemed to be uh, more of in a rush, more um, intense in public spaces. People just... You know, Steve mentioned it's just a little bit more tired. Uh, there's this intensity and pressure that comes with Christmas. There's all these emotions that you, you kind of have coming at you. I'll, I'll share some of what I mean from a, a Christmas story. This is maybe why Christmas is so, not such a great thing for me. I was in high school. And uh, my parents finished up work, and we were living in East London at the time, and 24th came over, and we rushed through to my grandparents, who lived in Port Elizabeth, about three, three and a bit hours away. Wonderful uh, little house near the beach. We always loved going there, so it's like, yay, we're heading off to Port Elizabeth, grandparents, Christmas beach, yay. You know, the intensity of the drive, and we're getting there, we're happy. 
wake up Christmas morning, but we were woken up by a phone call uh, that our house had been broken into. And it doesn't look very good. Ah, despair. Back in the car, three and a half hours back to East London. I'll just describe the scene in my bedroom alone. They had used my bedding to tie up in a big Santa bag from, you know, the movies where he's got the big sack. They, they, they left a school shirt in my cupboard and had emptied that, literally like cleaned us out my mom's car. They packed that, stole that. It's just like despair, happiness, tears, anger, just all of these emotions by our circumstances were just like, like a washing machine, like circling just through all of us as a family. And, and these emotions were all driven by, by our circumstances. Just a few hours before, we happy, yay, we're at the beach. Oh, despair, because all our clothing and everything's been stolen out of our house. And, you, you know, this is something that maybe that's an extreme example, but for many of us, there's such a turbulence with emotions during this season. Some of us are very excited because we're going to be seeing family. Some of us have had to increase our anxiety medication because we're seeing family. And, and we laugh, but for some people, that's really what is happening. Some of us are angry because we didn't get our leave approved. And now we're frustrated because we're seeing pictures of people already at the beach. And, and then, you know, it's Christmas, right? So you're supposed to feel happy. You're supposed to have the emotions we see in the Christmas movies. But it's just getting harder and harder and harder to manufacture the feelings that we're supposed to have because the season is just getting more complicated and more difficult. And, you, you know, you're guilty as a parent because, you, you know, you want to buy this for your kid, but you've got to sort out this and you've got to do that. And there's just all of these things that are, are just coming at our souls. And it's just hard to experience uh, what we're supposed to experience. And that's okay. Because hopefully we're going to realize with what we're doing in this series, that there's something greater for us to experience when we understand what the season is all about. And I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to gain a different perspective from the kind of mainstream pursuit of happiness and those expectations which just keep leaving us kind of a little bit hollow and frustrated. And so our goal this season and our goal this series, and you know, there's some beautiful poinsettias on here, and, and it's going to help you visually think fire, think the Spirit, think the presence of God still moving powerfully in and through us in this season. And Steve uh, started the series off last week where we're encountering the presence of God, how he encountered people in the story of the birth of Christ, our Christmas season. And we saw last week how God powerfully met a man called Zechariah. And we're going to look at another person today. And we're going to see the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. And how that had such a significant impact. And how that will impact us. So I want you to grab your Bibles. Go to Luke uh, chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today. And we're going to be looking at the person who is probably most impacted by uh, the coming of Christ. Uh, and that was Mary. 
Obviously, she had some physical implications around this in, in what happened with her. But I want to kind of give us a bit of an insight. As we look into the encounter with Mary, there was a lot going on in her world, in her life. And so I'm going to kind of just give us a bit of context uh, for Mary and then how God en- engaged her and then her response. And then we're going to pull out what that means for us. So Mary is living in occupied Israel. Okay, so the Israel that she's living in is a vassal state to Rome. It is occupied. And so that's one of the first challenges that, and circumstances that she finds herself in. It's tough. They've got to pay lots of taxes. Nobody loves paying taxes, even when they go to good things. But her taxes go to Rome. This is tough. So she is an Israelite. And so being an occupied Israel as an Israelite, you're concerned because the promises of God don't seem to be fulfilled. You know, what about the promises that Yahweh made to our forefathers, to, to Abraham, to David? And so there's this growing expectation and disillusionment with this whole thing about the promises of God. She's a woman, and in most cultures, women get a raw deal. Same thing here. Not great being a woman in, in her culture And she was young. So she was about between 14 and 16 years old. And she's already engaged, betrothed to someone. And it was most probably an arranged marriage. And she's a nobody. Poor, uh, peasant girl. And in this, the angel Gabriel appears to her at night. So just imagine the, the circumstances and just try to like wrap your head around all of those things. And then the angel appears to her and says to her, you know what, Mary, you found favor with God and you're going to become pregnant and everything's going to change in this world. You're going to have a son. You're going to call him the son of the most high. And so this starts this incredible encounter that Mary has. And uh, there's some some amazing things in here. And so just a little bit of the context. So uh, Luke chapter one verses from verse 30, this is where uh, the angel Gabriel starts talking. And I love this because there's some incredible things that happen here. So he says, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will call him Jesus. Uh, He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So uh, thinking about this, so this is a question to you ladies in the room. If you have to find out from an angel appearing in your bedroom that you are going to fall pregnant, how do you respond But I love how she responds here. It's just like, okay, angel, but how's this going to be? You know, because I'm I'm a virgin. So I I don't know how cool and calm she's able to stay and how rationally she's able to kind of ask this question back to him. And I just felt that was quite interesting. But his response for me is, the, the angel's response is amazing. And so he says to her in verse 35, the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, 
if you've been tracking with us, you know we have been doing a series on the Holy Spirit for most of the year. Does that language remind you of anything? It says when the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. How many times this year we went to Genesis chapter 1? And what's happening in Genesis chapter 1? The earth is formless and the Holy Spirit is hovering over the water. Steve uh, explained to us so well how that's chaos. And through the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, over this formless uh, earth, there starts to be order in the chaos. And out of all of this chaos, out comes creation through the presence of the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. And let's just geek out a little bit. Uh, the angel says to her, don't worry, Mary, I'll tell you how it's going to work. The Holy Spirit is going to come over you like he hovered over the waters. And out of the chaos and emptiness that he brought creation, out of the emptiness in your womb, he's going to bring new creation. Where there was no life, the Holy Spirit brought life. And in your womb where there is no life and where there shouldn't be life, He is going to bring new life. Isn't that just incredible how this is Genesis chapter 1? And how God worked there to bring about the miracle of creation. He says, I'm going to tell you, I still work the same way. I'm just going to bring about the miracle of creation with the Holy Spirit overshadowing your womb. And I just think this is just an incredible link to how God does what he does all the time. And so Mary's wrestling with this. The angel tells her, don't worry, go to Mary. Um, go to Elizabeth, Mary. Uh, your relative, the same thing's happened to her. She's also pregnant in her old age. And uh, just an incredible thing happens. Uh, as soon as Mary's had this encounter with Gabriel, she rushes off to go see Elizabeth. And there we have, again, the Holy Spirit is there. Uh, Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting at the door, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. The baby in her womb recognizes what's going on, and Elizabeth goes, oh, how blessed you are to be the mother of our Lord and Savior. And this is where we get to this powerful scripture in Luke 1, which is known as, as Mary's Magnificent, the song. And as Mary kind of gets it now, she's like, the angel's been there, the Holy Spirit confirms it with Elizabeth, and she's uh, understanding all of this. She just bursts out in song. So from verse 47, uh, my soul glorifies the Lord. Just think about everything that she's been through. Think about her living situation in occupied Israel, her age, all the cultural implications of being pregnant as an engaged woman, and understanding everything that's going on. My soul glorifies, or your version might say, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our descendants. I mean, what a response 
to engaging the presence of God and encountering His presence in what He was doing in her life. Again, I, I just, I think it's amazing when you consider her life, who she is, uh, the situation that she's in, and she responds with, magnify the Lord, O my soul. And this is incredible because I've spoken about circumstances, right? And so often, and this is gonna come up a few times this morning, we allow our circumstances to determine our emotions. We're emotional people. It's hard not to feel despair when things go wrong. And of course, we're happy when our sports team win in dramatic fashion and, and, and lift the trophy. You, you know, we um, are happy when this happens or that happens. And, and so we're emotional people. But this, this cry from her heart is so different and speaking to something so much greater and, and she's not happy here. She's experiencing joy. And there is a difference between joy and happiness, which is going to come out here. And what she encounters is genuine joy. And we see that flowing from her heart because her circumstances don't make sense, right? So if you know something about the culture and if you know the story a little bit, Joseph, her fiance, has a bit of a crisis himself because people don't fall pregnant miraculously, right? That doesn't happen. There's usually um, something involved that causes someone to fall pregnant. And if it's outside of your marriage in this culture, the woman is stoned to death, right? There's risk on her very life here. Circumstantially, this is not great for her, okay? A young pregnant woman who's not pregnant by her husband this is bad, okay? So there should be despair. But in her despair, in this crisis, in all that's going on, my soul glorifies the Lord. Well, I magnify the Lord, oh my soul. See the difference here. This is joy outside of circumstances because this joy is rooted in something far greater than the temporary situation that we find ourselves in. One of the first things that we see here and why there's joy and why her soul magnifies the Lord there in verse 48, for he has been mindful of, his, of the humble state of his servants. I mean, again, who is Mary? What was her claim to fame before the angel appeared in her bedroom? What had she done? What did she do to earn the right to be the person who carries in her Jesus and brings him into the world. Right, that's a big deal, right? I mean, surely you pick someone who's had 12 babies. You know, here's a woman who knows how to carry a baby well, there's the track record. Or, you know, five parenting courses, uh, knows how to do gentle parenting, uh, you know, good at washing and laundry, knows how to like multitask, Again, this is a teenager who's a humble, like no-name person. And one of the things she magnifies the Lord and praises him with is that he knows me. He is mindful of me, his humble servants. And then from now, all generations will call me blessed. And then verse 39, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. 
And again, just something that is so incredible and what she is extolling to the Lord is because of Jesus, he's also mindful of me. And because of his salvation and the establishment of his kingdom, his mercy extends to everyone who fears him. He is now always mindful of me because I am in his kingdom. His salvation has come. He knows who I am. He is mindful of me, his servant. And I hope your heart is slowly starting to warm to this idea of a transcendent reality that gives me joy, not happiness. Because while you're sitting where you are, our Savior is mindful of who you are. Well, we go, oh, my circumstances are so bad. Does he even know who I am? Yes. How does he know of this young girl in Israel who nobody else knows? How does he know who she is? Because he is our creator God who spoke creation into being. Of course, he is mindful of someone who has feared him and has humbly served him her whole life and just been a, a follower of him, a, a, a part of the covenants, one of the people of Israel, and he sees her and he has favor on her. Uh, I, I love this, this quote by a guy called Scott McKnight. And um, he wrote a book called The Jesus Creed where he speaks about this passage of Mary. And he goes and he says this. He says, we do not dare make light of our past, whether it be wondrous or abusive, reckless or righteous. All we can do, like Mary, is offer to the Lord who we are and what we've been. He accepts us, past and all. This idea that God can choose her this nobody and use her? And what's her response? I'm going to be used by you, Lord. I'm going to do this. And, and she's blessed for all generations who remember her. And I love this because my joy is rooted in that my God was mindful of me. Didn't consider my past against me. Didn't hold my past against me didn't bring or require me to bring my credentials before he offered me his salvation. He didn't go, sorry, uh -uh, you did that, 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 and that, and you haven't yet done this, 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 and this. Again, Mary is a, a brilliant example of how who you are doesn't matter when it comes to the Lord being able to use you and love you and be mindful of you and know who you are, and then you having a role to play in his kingdom and salvation story that can impact generations and generations. Isn't that just an incredible thing? And her realizing this, she goes, oh, my soul, yes, let's glorify the Lord. Something so much greater than our circumstances. And so I hope your hearts are being warmed to this. So this is largely considered a song uh, in the traditional church. And so maybe that's kind of verse one. Verse two is very interesting. Or the second part of this. Uh, I don't know how much you know about this part of the Bible, but this was very interesting. Uh, there have been times when governments have banned the public reading of this part of the Bible. Uh, in the 80s, um, the Guatemalan government was one of them. And they felt that this part of the Bible was too dangerous to be read in public and banned the reading of this. And I find that so interesting that something that Mary uttered 
uh, realizing the birth of Jesus was banned by governments because it was too dangerous. And this is the second part of the song. It says, he has performed mighty deeds uh, with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. And you can see why a government reading this and uh, going, actually, this is too dangerous, that if people hear this, they're going to rally against the oppression. And remember, Mary is in an oppressed environment. There's King Herod, and what a maniac of a ruler, and really was a tyrant. And Mary realizing something, that if this is the fulfillment of all of God's salvation plan with Israel, coming to a point in the promise that this is him who is working towards the completion of all of his promises, yes, this is what's going to happen. And she realizes in that moment, yes, the establishment of the kingdom of God is happening. Watch out, you tyrant kings, because there is going to be someone born who is going to bring down your thrones. And Mary realizes she gets it. And so in a, a place of occupation, she can burst out in song and praise God because she knows. She doesn't know how yet. But Jesus born is not just going to destroy the thrones of rulers. But every single knee is going to bow to the King Jesus, the Son of God who will be worshipped not as King Jesus, but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so at this coming, she realizes it, but this is it. For the humble, the oppressed, all those who are downtrodden, kingdoms are not going to survive the coming of this King because there will be a final moment where every knee bows and worships this baby Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and no throne will be able to oppose it because he sits on the throne of thrones as King of kings and Lord of lords. What she doesn't yet realize is his death will then be the defeat of enemies far greater than King Herod and Rome that Mary is dealing with. But as we so wonderfully sang about this morning is those giants of sin, shame and death. I love that song, to hell with our guilt and our shame. Because this baby Jesus who has um, come into this world as uh, the Son of God, God Himself is defeating those things that we had no hope to defeat. And the tyranny that plagues humanity is defeated in Jesus because sin, shame, death, kingdoms who oppose, they're done. They're done. What circumstance can take away the joy of being able to stand without blame, without shame, without guilt, without condemnation, without fear of judgment because of Jesus. And that's why Mary magnifies the Lord, glorifies the Lord and praises Him because she knows. She knows. Thanks, Kevo. She knows what's happening. And circumstances can't rob our eternal joy in the finished work of Jesus and what it means to be part of his kingdom and to be in his salvation story and to be a recipient of all of that.
Isn't that just incredible? Again, hearts be warmed that my circumstances don't change that. And then the last part of the, the song uh, from verse 54 and 55, it says, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. What Mary gets is incredible. And um, we often speak about this, that sometimes our English translations of the Bible don't quite capture uh, the word being used. And again, this is something that's come up uh, throughout uh, this year. And again, it's just so important to point to this where verse 54, where it says, he has helped uh, his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. Now, obviously, a New Testament written in, in Greek and uh, there's Greek and Hebrew equivalent words here. And while there are a number of words that are used for mercy and merciful, the word that Mary has chosen to use here is rooted in the uh, Hebrew word chesed, which we talk about a lot here. And if you remember, that word is referring to the covenant love of God for his people Israel. And what Mary is is speaking into here, when she uses the word merciful, she is remembering how God has never, ever broken his promises. And his mercy is that no matter how many times we have failed him, he has proven to be faithful and that he has never ended his covenant relationship with his people. In fact, this is uh, the next step in the fulfillment of that, where he said, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. He makes a covenant with Abraham. This is Genesis chapter 12, one to three. And as she's understanding the implications of the coming of Jesus, she goes, this is the covenant fulfilled. This is everything that he's promised. This is the fulfillment. And that's what he did with Abraham and our descendants. This promise just carries on forever because now the kingdom will never end. And she sings with joy because God is faithful. And she gets it. She's able to go to every single time. God has kept his promises and has been faithful in his love for his people. And she gets it. And she goes, my goodness, God, you are faithful to me. And you are faithful to your people for generations and generations. In fact, your faithfulness never ends just as you promised. And again, her joy and our joy is not rooted in circumstances. Our joy is able to be rooted in the unfailing covenantal love of God where he has never once failed his people. And joy cannot be circumstantial because God doesn't change. And when God said, I am faithful to my people, he has been faithful from that point on and is faithful forever. And so Mary is able to say, God, you've remembered us and you're merciful, just as you promised. And in the song, as she magnifies the Lord, this is just incredible. And so I want you to think about some things that are vying for your joy. The stats at the moment 
globally, I can't remember off, off the top of my head now, but depression and anxiety are at an all-time high. There was a recent stat that came out that said one in three people are experiencing loneliness around the world. And, and we can understand, right? I mean, we live in Johannesburg in 2023. And I say, say this a few times. I mean, I mean, who's not worrying about their health? Who's not worrying about their finances, our physical health and safety, our children, failing infrastructure? There's so many things that want to come and rob us of joy and want us to feel this despair around us. But this is so much deeper. And I know there's things like a TikTok reel, you know, screen time gives us a kick of endorphins, a good piece of cheesecake, a nice cup of coffee, you know, maybe a good movie, and we feel a bit happy, but with what's warring around us, it, it robs it and takes it so quickly. But what we see here is, again, this transcends our circumstances because it's rooted fully in the gospel. And all that Mary is extolling and singing out is so much greater than what we're facing. And so I'm wanting you this morning to realize maybe, maybe part of my problem is I've misunderstood happiness and joy. That what I have been chasing is happiness. And the reason I keep losing it is because it's determined by my circumstances. And I'm not experiencing genuine joy because I've placed too much on the temporal and not choosing to rest more in the eternal. Because joy is different. And here maybe some handles for us to think through some of the differences between joy and happiness. See, joy is in the heart. Happiness is on the face. We do well at masking what's going on. We can put a smile. How are you? Great. Things are good. But not experiencing that in our hearts. But joy lives in our hearts. Joy is, is so much greater than our external um, situation. So joy is in the soul. Happiness is of the moment. Sports fans know that well. Joy transcends. Happiness reacts. And you see how we can be chasing happiness where joy is such a permanent, permanent thing. Joy embraces peace and contentment waiting to be discovered. Joy runs deep and overflows while happiness is temporary. Joy is a practice and a behavior. It's deliberate and intentional. Happiness just comes and goes. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression, joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose, being our savior, our community, the kingdom of God. A person pursues or chases happiness, but chooses joy. And then of course we know, those of us who follow Jesus, one of the fruits of the Spirit, something that the Holy Spirit produces in us is joy. And see these different perspectives and this idea that holds greater sway for us is, is that we maybe start to think so much differently about, well, what am I experiencing? Is it happiness? And that's fleeting, leaving me despair, disillusioned, confused. 
or are we starting to experience over longer periods of time, despite the trials, I still have joy because of who Jesus is and what he has done. And so I don't know where you're at this morning, but I want to end with Psalm 30, verse 11. And this is what I'm going to pray for all of us this morning. That you have turned my wailing into dancing, and you have removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Church, the emotions that are swirling around our lives, if we had to list emotions, I'm sure many of us are experiencing multiple emotions this morning. But what we want as people is to experience joy because of how much joy transcends our circumstances. And joy fortifies our soul against the hardships that come our way and really show us as God's people and show the world that we're part of the kingdom of God because we have something that they don't have. We have an emotion that is rooted in in something that does not perish, that does not change, that does not fade, that's not going to be upended. It's rooted in our Savior. It's rooted in what He has done. It is rooted in the kingdom. And because it's the Holy Spirit who produces joy in us, we're going to pray for that. And so this is what we're going to do, and we love just creating a space where you can respond to this. We know life is tough, but joy is a choice in who and what Jesus has done. And so if you are struggling with that at the moment, this is an opportunity for you to process that and to make that choice. And because the Holy Spirit produces joy in us, we're going to pray and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to help produce that in you this season. So let's just quieten our hearts and minds a little bit and just start to think about the emotions that you are currently experiencing. Is it anxiety? Is it fear of the season? Is there pain because of what you're going to be experiencing maybe for the first time around this holiday? And as you're thinking about that, just start even as we're going to pray and just put yourself in a posture saying, Holy Spirit, with everything that's going on, I want joy. I want my soul to magnify you despite my situations. Despite how my business is going this year, despite how the company I work for is going, despite everything that's going on, despite the external, I want my soul in spite of that to magnify you and give you the glory no matter what. I don't want my emotions and my faith to be battered by my circumstances. I want to be able to look past those and go, but my God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, and He is forever on the throne. And so in spite of my circumstances, my soul My soul magnifies you, God. And I can praise you in spite of everything because of who you are. And so just as a a step of boldness, as we're praying, just stand if 
so I can just pray with you and for you that, that as you're going, I'm, 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 I'm going to take a step of faith to, to step past my circumstances and choose joy. And Holy Spirit, I'm trusting that as I pray this, I'm asking you to fill me with your presence to produce joy in me as I choose you and root everything in you this season. So you can stand if you want to, and I'm going to start praying. Jesus, we know that there are people who are struggling through so many things, so many emotions, so many pressures, so many difficult circumstances. But for every person that's chosen joy, I pray, Holy Spirit, to fill them again and anew with your Spirit. Help them like Mary got it. Holy Spirit, help them and help us to just understand you more. Help us to know you more, to know what you've done and what it means for me and the implications of being in your kingdom more. That what is starting to permeate our lives is not happiness, but joy. That we're not chasing a fleeting thing, but realizing that our lives are dominated by your eternal reality in our lives, that your kingdom is here, it is now, and nothing is going to stop your kingdom. Because you are the King of Kings and you're mindful of us, that you know us and you love us. And that Jesus, you came for us and have invited us into your kingdom and you know us by name and you love us in spite of ourselves. And you are faithful and you've been faithful for generations and generations and you continue to be faithful no matter what, Jesus, and we praise you. Jesus, help us that no matter what comes because of the empowering of your Holy Spirit, our souls magnify you because we've been able to place our hope in you. And so we've got joy and we have peace. Jesus, we say to that, amen.